Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, January 19th, 2020, we continue our series titled, Live Different, The Sermon on the Mount. Today's sermon, You Are, will be taught to us by Pastor Jeff Stevens out of Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Enjoy. Man, it is great to be here. It was great to see all of the discipleship program, discipleship makers, and those who are being discipled. Um, it is uh, always wonderful to see. I have a, a treat here mainly for me, um, but I know that many of you have been praying for a dear brother in the Lord uh, for me, and that's Wade Lewis. Wade is sitting right over here. Wade, you want to wave? Sing us in song or anything? Lead us out in... <laughs> But Wade is, uh, many of you have been praying for Wade. Wade uh, has been diagnosed with a grade four uh, glioblastoma um, with a, uh, if I say this right, IDH1 mutation or GBM for short. And I can tell you that uh, I've known Wade since he was 17. And he's now 41 and has a beautiful wife, Mandy, and their three kids. And, um, you know, you watch people that you disciple over the years grow. And you watch them to come into their own and their faith. And I tell you, there's nothing greater about discipling someone than when you watch a person surpass you in the Lord. Love you, brother. It's a wonderful thing to watch someone come to such a security in Christ. As Wade and I have been visiting with this battle of a lifetime that he has before him. I can so appreciate that Wade has taken on a mindset that says um, he wants to be uh, just a little pink spoon. And that seems a little weird, right? You know, you know, it's like those spoons that you'd get at 31 Flavors. And I'm going to explain to you today, I couldn't think of anything more appropriate than for today's message of salt and light than to understand exactly what Wade means by being a little pink spoon. So brother, I love you. And uh, this message is for you. Matthew 5, 13 through 16 tells us, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray about this. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you so much that we can come and unfold your word to look at this brief little section in your most important Sermon on the Mount. I pray, Lord, that we would take this word and apply it to our everyday lives that we would walk away knowing exactly who we are and who we are because of you. Help us, Lord, to grow in your grace and in the knowledge of your Son. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Point number one is you, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if Christ is in you and you are in Christ, then you are the salt of the earth. You are salt. This is not a separate teaching from the Beatitudes as Pastor Bob and Pastor Thomas have taken us through in the last two weeks. Matthew 5, 1 through 12 shows us what characteristics a believer or a disciple has. 
especially in contrast to the world. Jesus is telling us or telling you that you are those characteristics. You're those characteristics for cause and effect in the world. The Bible always speaks about who we are before it speaks about what we do. Whereas the first 12 verses tell us what God did, verses 13 and 14 tell us what a Christian is. It tells us what our purpose, function, and relationship to the world is. God's word tells us that he is in the world, yet not of the world. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellence of him who called you out of darkness into a marvelous light. An old professor of mine, James Montgomery Boyce, said this. He says, Jesus is saying that while it is true that the Christian is to be poor in spirit, mournful for sin, meek, thirsty for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, and disposed to make peace, nevertheless, he is never to be these things in isolation from a very real and sharply antithetical world. He is to manifest those characteristics in the world. And what is more, he is to practice these things in a way that will affect the world positively, as salt affects the medium to which one applies it. I want you to understand that Jesus is the cause and we are the effect. It's what kind of effect we are. It's understanding who Jesus is. In fact, Philippians 1.6 tells us, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will, complete, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You see, the great hope and assurance that we have is that Christ is completing his work. If you are in Christ and Christ is in you, the assurance that you have is that he will complete that work to the end of the age. We have the blessed assurance of salvation and security in the person of Jesus Christ. He says what he does and he does what he says. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's true that our scripture today is gonna tell us that, that it is our good works that is to be seen. I want to challenge us a little bit in this thinking because we go through life and we think that God is calling us to please him. I want to put that pleasing to him in an appropriate context. When you and I effectually trust God, that pleases him. You see, it's not the good works that God is calling you to. It's the fact that he's done a good work in you. And that will produce a good work, a holiness about yourself. <clears throat> John 15, 14 says, Jesus said this, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Many people look at that word if and say it's a conditional statement. It's not. It's a validating statement. You validate your obedience to God by following God. You validate that you are truly in a relationship with Jesus Christ if you do as he commands. If you do not do what he commands, then the question is, is whether or not you in fact have a truly 
wonderful friendship. Sinclair Ferguson talks about the Beatitudes. He says they come to a climax with a clear hint at the conflict that exists between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. There is, in fact, opposition to Christ's people and even a persecution of them, as we read in the Beatitudes. The true church is too big a contrast for the world to simply tolerate us. The world sees the kingdom of God as a threat to its own way of life, and so it seeks to destroy it. If you're not under persecution now, I want you to understand that the world as it advances will gain in its persecution of you and me. And to that, Jesus says, is great blessing. To be blessed is to be persecuted for his name's sake. But these words in 513, you are the earth's salt. But if the salt should become tasteless, what can make it salt again? It is completely useless and can only be thrown out of the doors and stamped underfoot. The phrase, you are the earth's salt, is an indicative. This is not a command of you to be salty. It is, in fact, a statement a statement of fact that you are salt. In fact, the idea being conveyed might be you and you alone are the earth's salt. Christians are the only salt that the earth has. Jesus is not urging his people to become something that they are not. He is telling them what they are as kingdom people. This is who we are as Christians. It is our identity as God's people. Just as Christ saturates our entire being, therefore he saturates every aspect of our life. The first century had these different uses of salt. I can only, I'm going into two of them today, but this is the first word picture that Jesus uses to illustrate his message. And salt as a preservative. This was the most common and inexpensive of all preservatives in a time that, of course, did not have refrigeration. It was used to preserve meat and to prevent spoilage. Our ability to preserve the world in order that it may see Christ in us depends on our uh, effect of being different. This sermon is entitled, Live Different. And the question and the challenge before us with this word today is, are we in fact living different because Jesus has just made the statement that you are different? In Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus specifically prays that we not be taken out of this world, but that we would be kept holy so that when we are sent into the world, we will show Christ to the world. In John 17, 16 and 17, it says, there are, there, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Talking about you as believers. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So how do we stay salty? By the word, which is the truth. Salt was not an effective preservative if, the, if it sat on a shelf next to the meat. For many of us, we go through our lives, whether it's in grocery stores or at work or in home, and we're just simply sitting on the shelf and not having a use 
for what God has declared you to be. In order for salt to be effective, it has to be rubbed into the meat. And likewise, Christians need to allow God to rub you into the world. Taking advantage of that opportunity when you're on an airplane or in a grocery store, your work, your home. You see, the application of this means that all areas of life home, work, play, even politics. Brothers and sisters, I, I view some of the things that are being said out there on social media, and I have to tell you, it's not salty. It's horrible. It is our opportunity to share the gospel with people. People that may not agree with you on political agenda, but it is an opportunity to share the beauty of Christ, the loveliness of Him through the words in which we write or the words at which we speak. For many of us, we've compartmentalized our Christian faith to Sunday mornings or maybe even Wednesday nights. For some of us, we have separated our worldly friends from our Christian friends, and we live in two camps. What would it look like if you brought your Christian values and your kingdom persona into place at work or in your community or in fact in your home? Salt is often referred to as a seasoning or a source of flavor. Salt enhances the flavor of food. It even enhances, I was looking this up in nutritional content, Haagen-Dazs ice cream has about 65 milligrams of salt in it. But likewise, the Christian life should be winsome and holy. It should be the goodness of ice cream. The other aspect is that salt also increases thirst. Had a good friend for years. He was an old hillbilly from the Appalachians of Kentucky, and he used to say, you know, Jeff, you can't make a horse drink. You can lead it to water, but you can't make it drink. And he says, but you can put salt in the oats. Some of us need to become salt in the oats to make people thirst for the beauty and the loveliness of Christ. The question is, is does your life make someone else thirsty for Christ? Is your life compelling a person to want to taste like you? Speech is a good measurement of the condition of our spirit. Paul teaches that our speech should be seasoned with salt. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul also says in Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk or unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. I don't know about you, but I know that I owe my children oftentimes a great apology for the words that come out of my mouth because it's not winsome. Paul told us in Ephesians 4.32, he says, he says, be kind to one another, be tenderhearted, be empathetic towards one another, to, to, to forgive as Christ has forgiven us, to be winsome. Speech 
is like salt. Too little amount of salt and we do not taste the flavor. And what I mean by that is that people cannot tell the difference between us and a non-Christian. We're called to live different. If we add too much salt, then we are left with an unpleasant taste. Maybe we're thumping them too much with our Bible and not loving them enough with the gospel. Sometimes we spend too much time talking about ourselves rather than talking about our great savior. But this phrase that it uses talking about tasteless salt is worthless. Christ's disciples make the earth a purer and a more palatable place so long as it preserves their distinctive taste and their characteristic. Salt is essentially different from that which it is placed in, and in a sense it shows all of its qualities by being different. Even a pinch of salt is easily recognized by taste buds. The warning here is that not that God is saying that you lose your salt or that you symbolically lose your salvation. He's saying that if your salt is in fact not used, you have to ask a question as to why you're not winsome and salty in your language. Jesus was in fact referring to a saying at that time. The saying goes like this, can salt lose its saltiness? It's a rhetorical question because salt can't become less salty. True disciples of Jesus cannot lose their saltiness because we are new creations and completely changed. Someone who is an imposter cannot become salty. They don't have the ability to do that. The imposters are to be thrown out and trampled underfoot because they have no effectiveness. You see, if you don't have the effectiveness of a seasoned language of love to the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, your question you should be asking yourself is, am I spending enough time in God's word or am I simply not saved at all? The application of this is rather than critiquing and indicting our society and the leaders who govern over it in what we know is rotten and spiritually dead world, perhaps we should be repenting and asking, have I lost my saltiness and therefore have I lost my effectiveness to share the beauty of Christ? Am I fulfilling my purpose, my function, my responsibility as the salt of the earth? For what salt loses its saltiness? You might as well be the salt sitting on the shelf next to meat. You become useless. If we cease to be different, then we cease to represent the person of Jesus Christ. We don't lose our salvation, we lose our effectiveness. It's not about doing things these things and I'm therefore saved. It's I'm saved and therefore I'm a new creation, therefore I am different. You are the salt of the earth. Do you live different? What does different really look like? You see, this isn't about living different for the sake of just being different. It's recognizing that you are different because of him who set his affection upon you. And different means that you contrast a spiritually dark world. Our point two, 
contrasting a spiritually dark world. You contrast it because you are the light of the world. You are a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. They don't hide it, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. You see, Jesus uses this second illustration of light to reinforce his teaching. These verses teach important lessons about the nature of Christ and this world, the imperatives and the strengths of the Christian life, and the obligation of a believer to remain in close fellowship with Jesus himself. Again, this light aspect might read, you and you alone are the light of the world. The world is in darkness, but you are not. Because scripture always speaks to what is first and then speaks to what it is does next. Jesus first spoke that a Christian is salt and then that the Christian shines light, contrasting and exposing darkness and the things that belong to darkness. You see, mankind prefers the darkness than, than to God's light. That is to say, they prefer their own imperfect and sinful way of doing things instead of the perfect and holy standards of Christ. Most of mankind will not admit this. Jesus exposed the nature of this darkness and men hated him for it. He stated that the lowliest, uneducated Christian can offer more truthful knowledge and instruction concerning life and the condition of our world than the greatest and most educated philosopher. You see, as long as we live in darkness, as long as we live in darkness and are never exposed to God's light, then you are totally oblivious to how much in the darkness we remain even at this moment. <clears throat> For many of us, we've lost growing in our awareness of the beauty of Christ. And subsequently, we've lost in our growing awareness of our sinful desires. And our dependence upon the gospel has been shrunken. And we've inserted these wedges of performing and pretending that keeps us from growing and flourishing and being the light that you are. Because mankind prefers the darkness to God's light. An example for us is oftentimes just as simple as going and opening our refrigerator. I know for many of us, we've probably done that 2 a.m. Does the light actually go off? <laughs> but you never open your refrigerator and have darkness come rushing into your room. In fact, the light pops on and exposes that you're doing some 2 a.m. eating and snacking. And it reveals your motivation. That you're not turning to Christ, but you're turning to something else. John 8, 12 says again, Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, contrast draws our attention to the object of its beauty. John Wesley was the one who said, what use would we have for the stars if the sun were to shine all day? We wouldn't even know to look. The darkness of the world brings an incredible contrast for you to shine brightly, representing the person of Jesus Christ, the object of beauty.
Point three, you are the light. In and of ourselves, we cannot be the light of the world. In other words, we have no ability to produce light. We can only reflect the light we have received from Christ. When Christ was in the world, he was a bit like the sun, that big fireball in the sky, which is here by day and gone at night. But when the sun goes down, the moon comes up, and the moon is a picture of the beauty of Christ's church, that city on a hill. It shines, but it does not shine by its own light. It shines only because it reflects the light of the sun. The moon reflects the light of the sun, the S-U-N, but you and I as Christians reflect the light of the sun, the S-O-N. We're just a reflection. Jesus is the light of the world. But in John 8, 12, he tells us, but knowing that one day he would be taken out of the world, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light because he is the light. Without him, there would be no light in you. And he that follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That blessed assurance that he shines your trail and that you don't have to be lost in the darkness. The application is simple. Do people see Jesus Christ in you? Do people see the person of Jesus Christ in you and me? You see, people will see Jesus only as you look to Jesus. As you spend time with him and his word and thereby allow some of his light to be reflected from your life to those around you. To be a Christian is to be different in thought and talk and behavior. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29 says, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. I can boast in nothing but the person of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the one who came after me. You see, no matter who you are, if you are a Christian, you are called to reflect Christ's light to those around you. You are to live as a beacon of hope. For many of us, we're a lot like a lighthouse that has wheels on it that's being moved up and down the shoreline. And people don't know whether you're walking with Christ today or you're walking in the world tomorrow. Take the wheels off your lighthouse, plant it firmly in the ground, and reflect the beauty of Christ so that you are a beacon of hope for those that desire to be in the light. Because those are the people that Christ has called unto himself. 2 Corinthians 5.20, Jesus, or Paul says, Therefore we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. If you have an estranged relationship with someone, if you haven't been able to forgive something, then I ask you first and foremost, be reconciled to God and let God bring restoration to your relationships. But our fourth and final point is live as a beacon of hope. Matthew 5 brings two more word pictures to us. The first is a city that cannot be hidden because it stands prominently on a hill. 
The second is a light that ought not to be hidden because it is intended to give light to the people in a house. This is both your community and inside your home. This is at your workplace. This is in your home. Even the sun goes down on a city. There's usually enough ambient light that some sight is still possible. But if you came and you joined us on a houseboat trip at Lake Powell in the middle of the summer, you would see stars in the sky that your mind has never ever seen before. Because the removal of all the distractive, dilutive light opens up a beauty and a purity so that you can see in this vast backdrop of darkness the beauty and the loveliness of God's creation. You are the light of the world. You are the object of Christ's beauty and his affection. If a city on a hill, it will cast light for miles around it. It lightens the darkness all around. The image is for his audience of Jesus' time. They would readily understand this because when you are wandering in the dark desert with no ambient light whatsoever, wandering in that dark desert, you would come upon a, a knoll or, or a hill and upon that you would see a city that's on a hill and immediately you have hope that you are no longer lost in darkness but you have a beacon of hope that is right in front of you. The beauty of the gospel. This is true morally as well. In just a moment, any one of us can go into a dark out and get lost in our wandering. We are prone to wander. Matthew 6, 23 says, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if you're looking at things that are of darkness rather than looking to the light, then your darkness is going to become great and overwhelming in your life. You must turn and repent and go back to the light and step out in faith and trust the person of Jesus Christ. The Christian who has become light in the world should shine for his Lord, his holiness or good deeds. This holiness that we're called to will be seen and others will be drawn to glorify God through his witness. 1 Peter 2.12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers and that persecution is coming if it hasn't already come to you that they may see your good deeds, your holiness, and glorify God on the day of visitation. You see, it is our responsibility to show the Christ-like life of light to those around us. Live the new life in Christ so that others will be challenged by you. Shine for Jesus Christ so that others will see his salvation expressed in our daily lives. Light shows and illuminates the way in a beacon of hope guiding the way out of darkness and misery in a lost and fallen world into his glorious kingdom. The light does not lead you out, it leads you into his glorious kingdom. Light's essential quality is just that, it's light. It's the only quality and once it loses that, like salt, it too would become light useless. If you hide your light under a basket, you are choosing to be useless in the advancement of Christ in his kingdom. Fulfilling this plan will demand everything from you. 
God doesn't want to share you with anything. He wants exclusivity. His plan is to demand that our entirety of our lives be wholeheartedly and unceasingly devoted to him and to his service. So what's the goal? All of these indicatives, these statements of fact, and one imperative, let your light shine before others. Why? Why? Because he says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You see, what he told us in verse 13 about salt is that God uses us to impact the people around us. Whether we are slowing down the moral decay or enhancing the spiritual flavor of the world, God has created us to be a positive impact. As followers of Christ, we are called to be different and to live a holy life. Not because of who you are, but because of who Christ in you is. You see, Jesus is the light. We are his reflective light. Like the moon, we produce no light on our own. We merely reflect the beauty of Christ so that others may see your good works, your holiness. And when they see this holiness, may this be the cause for them to give glory to your Father who is in heaven, the effect that he most desires, the glory of himself. You see, a life that is not diluted in taste is a life that is not hidden in darkness. We read that verse earlier, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word workmanship is the Greek word poema. It simply means poem. You are God's poem. It also means masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. It is his poem that is being lived out. Not yours, not mine, but his poem. Are you brave enough to live out his poem? You see, you and I are but a vehicle, or as Wade describes, a little pink spoon. Your pink spoon is to deliver the goodness of God, the holiness of Christ. A little pink spoon. You're merely just a vehicle delivering his goodness because you see there's one thing that Wade as he's battling cancer and going through this that he knows better than most people know is he knows how much life is a blessing in the contrast of the battle that is before him. For him to live is Christ and to die is more Christ to depend and to trust on the person of Jesus Christ for every single moment. Paraphrasing his doctor, but do you understand when you ask the question, how long do I have to live? And a doctor responds to you as a light in a dark world and says, as long as God preordained before the foundation of the world, that's how long you have. You live your life in each moment that you're given to present the sweetness of Christ. And recognize the first and foremost thing that it is all about him, all about his glory. And as you are nothing but a simple pink spoon, you are the vehicle to deliver this truth. And that's what God has called you to be. 
You are to be seen as goodness and joy. Your goodness that preserves joy and the seen goodness, this holiness and joy is in fact the light of the world. You are his masterpiece. You are delivering his goodness that reveals the beauty of his light. To live your life for Christ. He's never called you to live a life pleasing to him. He's called you to live a life trusting him because that most pleases him. To glory, the glory of God in the highest. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you for your word, your truth that reveals so much beauty. It reveals the loveliness of Christ. May we live our lives for Christ by living in dependence upon him. Fill us now, Lord, with your grace and mercy as we go forward to be salt and light in a world, to live different. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. The glory of God in the highest. To my brother Wade, you have a wonderful church body in Queen Creek, but I want you to know you have a body of brothers and sisters that are praying for you here. Love you. And I know you're going to keep living your life to the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, be the salt of the earth. Be the light unto the world. And glorify him who called you with such a high calling. Minister to one another. Minister to your community. Be a model of Christ in your home. And may we glorify and honor him by living for him trusting in him. To God be the glory. Love you guys. We'll see you all next week.